You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. So good to be with you here today. How many love a good story? I wish I was a better storyteller, I really do. Sometimes when you listen to someone who's a good storyteller, it's just amazing how they can recall that from memory, just life experiences and make it sound exciting and interesting. Uh, I don't have that ability. So if you're visiting today, you're like, oh, I'm in trouble now because you're like, he's not, he even said, he even admitted he's not interesting. But um, being around somebody who's a great storyteller, it's, it makes it memorable. And you won't even necessarily, you know, be able to relay all the details of that story, but something about the way they delivered it really just made you pay attention and take note. And Jesus was a storyteller that was known for telling stories that were Uh, interesting to listen to, but also had a meaning to them, also had an important meaning to them. And so I want us to take a look at one of those stories today as we talk about the message this morning, which is in search of sowers. I believe that today God is looking for people who are going to spread the word about him. That's what he's looking for. And so if you want to take a look with me, it's in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I'll be looking at The verse is there starting in verse 1, but if you can just turn there in your Bibles and follow along with me. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. And so I want to say again, thank you for being here today. And if you are visiting with us today, I will encourage you, as Art did earlier, to fill out a connection card. We have a little gift we like to send to you, and we just appreciate you being here today. Let's look at that passage together in Matthew 13. And it says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And a great crowd gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And other seeds fell on rocky ground where there was not much soil. And immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, uh, they did not have much soil, immediately they sprang up. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away, and other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, and other seeds fell among good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let him who has an ear, let him hear. Let's pray that we would be able to hear today. Heavenly Father, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to respond to your word. Give us a revelation of yourself and your truth that we might live for your son, Jesus, and help me to proclaim it as I should. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus tells many stories. This is one of them that they highlight here in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a simple enough story, one that the people could definitely relate to. His listeners would have seen this story played out in everyday life. You see, they were an agricultural society. They knew what it was to plant. They knew what it was to reap and to harvest. They knew about the seasons and the importance of farming. And so Jesus tells a story that they can relate to, and he uses it to illustrate an important truth that unless they are really paying attention, they would miss out on. Maybe you've had somebody tell you a story, and if you were to recount the story that someone shared with you, we would all remember different parts of it some of the funny parts, some of the stories. We might even try and tell the joke that the other person told, and it's just not as funny when we tell it because 
We don't have the inflection. We don't have the enthusiasm. But sometimes you can miss out on some important things if you're just thinking, well, that's just an entertaining story. But oftentimes Jesus' story had a meaning behind them to communicate what the kingdom of heaven was like. Now, the kingdom of heaven is a humongous ideal and a humongous concept. If you were to say to somebody, okay, describe to me what heaven is like in all of its glory and in all of its uh, expanse and its purpose and everything that has to do with it, it would be a huge and lengthy topic. But Jesus takes the time to explain it in very manageable and relatable terms. So he tells them this parable about a sower and seed and spreading seed. And afterwards, his disciples ask, well, what did you mean by that? And why do you speak in parables? And Jesus goes on to explain that Sometimes when he's speaking in parables, he's hiding the meaning from some, but for those who would seek to pursue and understand, they will find out the meaning and the truth about the kingdom of heaven behind it. So he goes on to explain it to his disciples. His disciples meet with him privately afterwards. And if we look at Matthew 13, verse 18, we'll see him explain it. And he says this in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the road or the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, Immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. And as for the seed that was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And indeed he bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another case sixty, and another thirty. Jesus explains the parable, and there's three parts to this parable. You can write them down. Three things in this parable. The seed, the soil, and the sower. The seed, the soil, and the sower. Now that seems obvious by reading it, but what is the meaning behind it? What is the truth that Jesus wants to communicate? Well, first, let's talk about the seed. The seed is the Word of God. It is the gospel. Now the word gospel means good news, and it's the good news of salvation for all men. It's the message of the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. So when he's talking about seed, the metaphor is the word that's going to be preached and sent out. We have to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching of the word of God. Everything in the kingdom starts with God's word. We would not be sitting here today if we did not know about God's word, if someone didn't share the gospel with us, if someone didn't preach to us, you and I would never even know each other. And that's how the gospel brings us together. Jesus is relaying this story to his disciples because one day they would become apostles, one day he would send them out to preach. And how many know if you read the book of Acts, not everyone was really excited or enthusiastic about Jesus' message. Not everyone welcomed it with open arms. And so he goes on to talk about the types of soil that the seed or the word of God will fall upon and that they are representative of different kinds of people and different 
kinds of hearts. Let's talk about the first one. He talks about hard soil, saying that some will hear and not understand. And I can tell you the truth that honestly, as I've been a pastor for a long time, that there are times where I can explain something a thousand different ways about God's truth. I could talk to people about the gospel and about their need to be saved, how God wants them to be saved, and some of them will still look at me and nod their head and still not get it. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Meanwhile, they've never accepted Christ as Savior. They've never chosen to follow him or to leave behind their life. They think they are in some way, but they're not really doing it. Sometimes people just don't get it. This is hard soil. Hard soil is sometimes people who have been hardened by the world, whether it be because of their upbringing or personal biases or their sins or the hurts of life. Whatever it is, something has made them hard so they can't receive the word when it comes to them. It's kind of like if you or I were to go out to the parking lot and we took a seed and we threw it into the parking lot it would hit the concrete or the pavement and bounce right off of it. It would not be welcomed by the ground. It would be deflected and reflected by the ground. And that's how it is with someone who's been hardened by life or hardened by their experiences or just hardened by their upbringing where they say, well, I don't need God at all. The Bible talks it tells us that the preaching of the word of God and the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. And the devil uses skepticism and doubt to cause a hardened person to dismiss the word of God and not listen to it. A hardened person might think about it, but then because they've been so hurt by life and are so skeptical about what's true that they dismiss it out of hand. And the devil takes that word that was possibly in their mind and maybe getting into their heart and it kind of takes it away because of that hardness still kind of registers true with them. And they say, oh, no, I don't need that. Or maybe friends in their life would say, hey, you know what? You used to run with a certain crowd. You used to be a little bit more hardcore than you are right now. And then you're around your friends, and you start talking about Jesus, and they go, oh, you don't need that religion stuff. You're like, yeah, yeah, I don't need the religion stuff. And you kind of change your mind based on that. That's the devil snatching away the word and the truth. Hard ground is difficult to have anything growing. That's why after the winter season, uh, when you start to see the the grounds of Southwick and the surrounding area being tilled for uh, growth and planting, you'll see them break up the hard ground first so that the hard ground can be broken up so that that seed will be accepted by the soil and then it will flourish. There are times in life where when we've been hardened by things, God will bring something along to break up that hardened place in our life so that we become receptive to the word. So the first kind of soil is hard soil. The second kind of soil is rocky soil. These are those who receive the preaching of the word with gladness but have a shallow understanding of what it truly means. They like the idea of God's love and forgiveness, but when it comes to the harder teachings of Jesus, They're like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Sometimes that happens in church. You come to a church, and it's all about love. It's all about forgiveness. And then we talk about character. We talk about loving your neighbor. We talk about forgiving one another and go, oh, man, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. 
Where is the exit? Where is the door? Can we get back to talking about something that makes me feel good about myself? I want to challenge you today that God's word will indeed bring healing. It will soothe you. It will comfort you. But there's times that it will sometimes agitate you too. And times where it will challenge you for change. Sometimes faith begins because a person doesn't quite understand what it means. Or when maybe their faith begins and they believe God and they even accept Christ as Savior. But then when hard times come, when difficulty comes. And how many know, and I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'll share this little bit of information with you. That just because you're a Christian does not mean that hard times stop. I know that's a shocker. I know that's new information for you, but I can tell you as someone who served the Lord that difficulties don't stop because you're a Christian. Sometimes you might even find that now that you've decided to follow God and you said, okay, now I'm going to get back to God, I'm going to get back to church, I'm going to start following Jesus, and you find that your life has taken a turn for the worse, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to get better when I served God. Understand there are times that you will encounter difficulty. And tribulation. Jesus says, as a result of the word, when persecution or testing or tribulation comes, sometimes that faith that was just sprouting out begins to wither and die because it does not have depth. I'm always excited when someone comes to faith in Jesus and receives salvation, but the greater measure of how deep a person's faith is is whether or not it changes your life. Many simply want to add Jesus to their life. Kind of like if you had an outfit, ladies, you have a, a nice outfit you like to wear to church, or you like to go on a date, and you're wearing it out with your husband or the person that you're dating, and you want to accessorize something. So you might pick out something from your jewelry box, and it might be just the right color to match the shade of your outfit or the color of your eyes, and it accentuates things well, and you put that thing on, and it's an accessory. He said, I'm adding this to my outfit to make me look good. But you have to understand that Jesus is not an accessory that we add to our already existing life and say, I'm putting on church to make me look good. I'm putting on religion to make me look like I'm a better person. You see, it's not about adding Jesus to your outfit as an accessory. It's about changing your outfit entirely. It's not about Jesus being uh, an ingredient that's added to your life. He's about being the main thing in your life so that you recognize that God is the most important thing in your life. Not just God, some nebulous God out in the world with big white long beard and floating through the heavens. And I know the, the big guy's up there somewhere and we kind of have our different connecting points. I feel close to God when I listen to music or I feel close to God when I hear the the stream rumbling by. Listen, it's deeper than that. When you say to yourself, God is my whole life, and that my love for Jesus is my everything, then you start to see depth takes place in who you are. When your faith is challenged, when difficulty arises in your life, you got to recognize that it's time to not abandon him, but to stay close to him. You can't be a Christian and not spend time with Jesus. You can't be a Christian and rarely go to church and not allow him to affect who you are. Your faith needs depth so when the hard challenges of life come, you'll still continue to grow. See, the seed that fell in rocky soil sprouted up with enthusiasm, but then died off when difficulty came. Don't let your faith be one that dies at the first sign of heat 
or challenge or difficulty. Because Jesus promised his disciples, he said, listen, to follow me means that people might not like you. To follow me means that you might have to say some hard things to people. To follow me means that your own family might even disown you, and that is not an easy thing to deal with. The third type of soil is thorny soil, soil where there's thorns growing in it. And these are those who receive the word of God, and it begins to grow and take depth. And they may serve God, even do things for him, but over time, things start to come in and try to kill the faith that's within you. Jesus mentions the cares and concerns of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for things that compete with faith can run the risk of choking out the faith that you have within you. As Christians, we must be careful to allow good things to take our affection away from the Lord. Listen, you might have prayed for a job and God gives you a job. Or you might say to yourself, you know, I'm competitive or I have a desire to be successful. And as a result of that, you work hard. And then all of a sudden your employer says, you know what, you need to work Sundays. Not, not often, but just, you know, just for a couple weeks. And then you work for a couple Sundays just to get your workplace through the difficult time, just to get them through that hard season. And then say, well, we don't have anybody to staff it yet, so can you work a few more Sundays? And you still keep working and you like the overtime and you like how it looks in your paycheck and then you kind of get used to it and then all of a sudden you recognize you like you feel like you're getting further and further from God listen it's a good thing to work I encourage it everyone should by the way unless you're retired then by all means enjoy yourself okay but (laughs) but the scriptures is very talks about the importance of working but if that work is taking you away from the Lord it shouldn't be something that happens It's not a good thing, okay? Listen, in your workplace, you can say, listen, for religious observance reasons, I need my Sundays free. I won't work every single Sunday, but I might work one or two Sundays, but I need that Sunday for religious observances. I guarantee you your HR department will understand that, okay? We look for good things. We say, oh, you know, if I just had a relationship, if I, was, if I just had a boyfriend or girlfriend, if I just had a husband or wife, I'd be happy. Listen, if you're waiting for someone else to bring happiness to your life, i got news for you. If you're not happy on your own, you're going to be absolutely miserable with somebody else. And you might end up making them miserable too. It's a wonderful thing to find a relationship. It's a wonderful thing to be in a relationship with someone who gets you, who understands you, who makes you laugh, all those things. But if that person is taking you away from God, it's not a good thing. If that person is saying, you know, I know you say you should go to church, but, you know, don't worry about that. Let's do this instead. Or if they say to you, you know, I know you have this, this moral objection to certain things, but come on, stop being so old-fashioned. Stop being so, such a, a stick in the mud. Do this instead. And you go, you know, because you love that person, you care about them, you compromise things. That's where something that's good can choke out the faith that you have. We're all in danger of that. Any time that we're walking with the Lord. Listen, I'm getting close to 50. I don't like it as much as anybody else does. But I notice that I've slowed down a bit as I've gotten a little older. Sometimes I get tired of things as I've gotten older. There's times where if you're not careful, you become tired of holding the standard of faith in your life. And you get compromised if you're not careful. The cares of this world will seek to come in and start choking 
those things out of your life. These things sometimes are stresses. Sometimes they're worries, they're fears, they're concerns. Maybe you're worried about your family. Maybe you're worried about making ends meet. Maybe you're worried about what's going on in your workplace or what's going on in the world, and those things start to kind of creep in. Don't let it choke out the faith you have within you. Then finally, Jesus talks about the good soil. Out of all the different kinds of soil, the good soil is, receives a seed, and there it flourishes. Good soil is fertile ground that's ready for growth. This is a person that hears the gospel, and they don't just hear it. They accept it, and it goes deep into their hearts. This is not some surface kind of faith. This is not some kind of superficial belief. But instead, God becomes a major part of their life. God's word creates a complete and utter turnaround in their way of living. They begin to grow in their understanding of God. They begin to grow in their faith. And they begin to grow in their knowledge of God's word. And they begin to give themselves wholeheartedly to following Jesus. They uh, live life and their life starts to change. They grow in godly character. They start serving. They start sharing their faith with others. It's good so because they received it and because it went deep. When was the last time you let the word get deep into who you are? Letting the word not just be something that you kind of read casually. Listen, you're, the scriptures aren't meant to be like a fortune cookie that you crack open and you read and then you throw away. The word is meant to get deep into your hearts. It's meaning, it's truth, which is transformational and life-changing is meant to be deep inside you. The mark of good soil is when the faith starts to take root, we see growth. Unlike the other ones, other types of soil, the three types of soil we talked about beforehand, there is little growth, marginal growth, but notice that there's no fruit. The marker of the Christian life should be that when you are following Jesus, people should be able to see fruit of godly character in your life. Fruits of the Spirit at work in your life. The fruits of, of, of harvest in your life as people are brought to the knowledge of who Jesus is. There should be change that takes place that others can visibly see. Listen, we can all go out to a field in the springtime when seed is first planted and look out there and say, we know things are growing, but we can't see. That might work in like May when we start planting things. But when you start getting to June, July, and August and nothing's grown yet, you know that no growth is taking place. You know something's wrong. Why? Because it's the season for growth. And we're not seeing the growth. There's seasons for fruits and vegetables. There's seasons for different kinds of things. And we know when that season rolls around, we should be seeing those things. In our lives, there should be growth, fruit that takes place. Probably the most neglected fruit that we often see is the fruit of the Spirit. We love the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Those are wonderful things. But the fruit of the Spirit is the works of godly character. It's the character of Jesus coming in and through us. We see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what should be visible to others around you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, Lord, to you. So that when others hear you, they say, that's a person that's different. That's a person that loves the Lord. We need 
to be the good soil that sees God grow good things in. Faith grows when the word is planted in the heart of one who truly believes. God's word finds its place and its purpose in the heart of the Christian. Good seed in good soil is meant to grow. I choose to believe today that the people I'm talking to today, if you're here on a Sunday morning, listen to somebody yell at you for a half an hour, that there's a reason for that. It's not because I'm a snappy dresser or you think I'm funny. Hopefully it's deeper than that. Hopefully it's because, you know, you recognize that God wants to do a work in your heart and growth in your life. Jesus said the seed that lands in good soil reproduces itself. One of the indicators of a healthy plant is that it makes more of that plant or of that fruit or of that vegetable. Christians should create other Christians. People who have been discipled should in turn create more disciples. One life that's changed by Christ can impact many. Jesus said that the one who hears the word and accepts it bears fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some hundredfold. In other words, we understand that we don't know the potential that lies in a seed. But God knows the potential that lies in a seed. The seed is the word of God. And when it goes deep into the heart of a believer, when they get a hold of what God has for their life, they begin to not only be transformed personally, but they have a heart for those around them. One life, we don't know the impact that one seed can have. We don't know the impact that one life can have. The D.L. Moody's, the Billy Graham's, the Reinhardt Bonkies of the world were saved because someone shared the word of God with them. Someone shared the gospel with them, and they believed. And they would go on to impact millions for the kingdom of God. That's a perfect example of one person, one seed bringing forth 30, 60, 100-fold. You don't know what God could do through the word being made alive in your life. What God, who God could reach. It could be 30 people. It could be 60. It could be 100. You say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not setting up a tent. I'm not a missionary, so I don't know how I would reach 100 people. Listen to me. Hear me, okay, with all grace. How many people are on your Facebook friendship? How many people are friends with you? I have like 346 friends. Do I talk with 346 people on a regular basis? No, not at all. Not even close. I struggle to talk to like two or three sometimes, get them an introvert. But you know that many people. What would happen if you spoke forth the word with every person that you came in contact with? Could you see 30, 60, or 100 people come to know God or be drawn closer to God? I believe that you might. Listen, something to remember about seeds is that seeds need a sower. Seeds don't do any good in storage. Seeds are sown when we speak. Write those down. Seeds need a sower. Seeds don't do any good in storage. Seeds are sown when we speak. What kind of seeds are we sowing when we speak? The Bible talks about the kinds of seeds that we sow when we speak. We, we can sow either good seed, but the Bible also talks about those who sow seeds of doubt. 
those who sowed seeds of discord? Or do you sow seeds of faith? When people speak to you, do they feel like their faith is immediately lifted? Are they encouraged? Do they believe God for things that they wouldn't have believed for before because of you? How awesome that would be to be able to say, you know what, I I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. I wasn't sure if God was going to come through. And then I talked to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and and they encouraged me, and I I found myself walking away with my faith strengthened. What you're doing is you're helping someone else grow. What kind of seeds are you sowing? This has to do with what we say to other people. And this might take a little bit of reflection on your part. Think of what you've said to people in the last week. Think of things that you said even in passing. Sometimes it's embarrassing. I'll admit myself, sometimes it's embarrassing, like how easily I can get angry at times or how easily I can get frustrated with the world that we live in at times. And that sometimes we say things that we're not always proud of, right? But what kind of seeds are we sowing? What kind of things are coming out of our speech? Listen, the Word of God is given to us as seed. God didn't just save you so you could put... So you can learn a whole bunch of things and put that into your head and just leave it there. That seed that's going in the storehouse, but if you don't spread that seed, there's no growth that takes place. We're meant to share it with other people. Everything that we learn and study should be the end result of showing other people the way to the Lord and tearing down strongholds and breaking down barriers that that person might have to believing. It's not for us to make us sound good or sound smart. I always have to chuckle a little bit, especially when I listen to theologians argue with each other because it's somewhat entertaining and also a little bit sad that they're exerting their intellectual muscle one over the other to try and one-up each other, to try and make, each, make one sound dumb while the other one sounds smart. Never mind to understand the fact that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. It's foolishness to the world we live in. But it is the power of God unto salvation for those of us who believe. And yet so many people are arguing with other believers about who's right and who's wrong. We just got to stop wasting our time. That's wasting the seed of the word. We must be sowing it to those who haven't heard it and need to hear it. Sowing seed is about speaking. God created the world by the words of his mouth. Genesis 1.1 says that he spoke and the universe was created. When he spoke, things began to grow and to to spring to life out of nothingness just because he spoke the words of life. John 1.1 says that Jesus is the living word. The word there in the Greek is the logos, the living word of God. It's no coincidence that John speaks in John 1.1 the same similar words that were spoken in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the life-giving Word that is spoken to bring about salvation. Jesus, in turn, gave his apostles, his disciples, the Word of God to preach and his authority, and through his words, life Lives of many were changed just because they took his words and went with it. So when we speak the word of God, we understand that there's something amazing happening. 
If you look at a seed, a seed is also a beginning. They're filled with potential. No one knows what that seed will become. Well, unless you have a little package that you buy at IBS that says, like, different kinds of flowers. I'm not good with flowers, so, you know, whether it's petunias or annuals or whatever the case might be, or, you know, uh, carrots or, or vegetables. Obviously, this is not my notes, so please, you know, humor me, okay? You get the idea. Obviously, you know what the seed is, but we don't know how that's, that plant will grow or what it will be. Will it grow? Will it not grow? Only the seed has potential in it. The sower knows that everything uh, that is needed is within that seed. And the same thing holds true with God's Word. Everything that a person needs for life and for godliness is in His Word. The ability of the Word of God to change a person's life cannot be understated. None of us know how impactful the Word of God will be in someone's life. And sometimes the reason why we don't share the Word of God with people is because we're immediately assuming that the ground that we're going to be throwing it into will be hard or it'll be shallow. In fact, you've already set yourself up to fail, haven't you? How many times have you said to yourself, well, I don't want to share the gospel with someone. I want to talk about Jesus because they might reject it or, or they might accept it and their life might be changed for the better for all eternity. Think about that. We're like, well, the answer must immediately be no, right? What's the old saying? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Some of you have been dating. You, maybe you asked your, who is your wife now three or four times to go out with you before she actually said yes. What if you gave up on the first time, right? We have to understand is that you know, when we're sharing the word of God, we can't automatically defeat ourselves by saying it's not going to work. They're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. Jesus said there's four different types of soil. Be prepared that when you preach and share, you're going to get four different kinds of reactions. And yes, there may be people that, that don't accept it. And yes, there may be people that you've led to the Lord and they maybe have walked away from it. But there are also those who really get a hold of it and do incredible things for God. And guess what? You were a part of it. That should cause you enthusiasm. That should cause you to rejoice inside, to say, I could be the catalyst. I could be the one that sows the seed that brings about transformation in someone's life, not only that they become a citizen of heaven and find eternal life forever, but also because they can change so many other people's lives. The potential in the seed is there. There's something life-giving and creative about the Word of God. When it's spoken by a Christian in obedience and faith, life comes when we speak the Word of God, and life changes occur when we speak God's truth. Can I encourage you today to don't just speak God's Word, but live it, grow in it, share it, not just the gospel, but biblical principles that you live by. Here's a funny thing that will happen when you share biblical principles in life. I'm not talking about necessarily quoting a scripture, but if you share a biblical principle with someone, you will sound like a really wise person. Like, wow, you have a lot of wisdom. And you're like, well, actually, that's from the Word of God. The Word of God is wisdom. But when you share principles from scripture about how to be honest, how to be upright, 
how to handle conflict, what to, how to love your neighbor, how to help others, it will sound like you are just a really incredibly wise person. But the truth is, it's all God's word, and you can relay that truth with them. The final thing I want to tell you about today is a sower. Why are sowers needed? Because a harvest is produced only when there's preparation. I'm going to say it again. A harvest is produced only through preparation. Listen, a church won't grow if the church is just like, well, they need to come to us. And if they come to us, that'll be good. We need to be out there sharing the good news of Jesus. It'd be just as silly for a farmer to say, I have a barn full of seed, and I have fields that need to be sown, but it'll grow. It'll come on its own, right? That's just the nature of things. Eventually, people will come. Eventually, things will come. But no, the sower is needed because both the sower and the harvester work together. The sower has to go and sow the seed in order for there to be a harvest. But there also has to be a harvester that's willing to bring in the crop when it's ready. You need both. You need the ones that are going to help bring people in and disciple them, but you also need people that are going to go out and share the gospel with them. If those two things don't happen, what will happen is you'll have people that have prepared the way for people to be saved, and when they get saved, there's no discipleship, and they fall away. But if you have people that are ready to disciple, but there's no one being saved, then there's nothing to do. So there needs to be sowers. There needs to be harvesters. They need to work together. When seeds are sown, then a harvest is expected. When a sower sows seed, then that sower checks on the seed. Farmers plant, water, and nurture the seed. Just like 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, uh, Paul says, one plants and one waters, but it's God that makes it grow. Hear me today. When you invite someone to church or you encourage someone with Scripture, can I encourage you to follow up on them too? Don't just say, hey, I invited somebody to church five years ago, and they said no, so I guess the answer is still no. How many knows a lot can happen in, you know, five years? A lot can happen in six months in a person's life, a person who might be completely closed off to God in one moment of their life, in one season of their life, might be open to him another. One season gives way to another. Check on the seed. You didn't just plant it. Check on it. Is it growing? Is something happening with it? Scriptures talk about that one who waits for favorable conditions in order to sow seed will never reap anything. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who watches the weather and waits for the wind and does not plant, and he who observes the clouds will never harvest. In other words, if you're just waiting for the most favorable conditions to share, then you are probably not going to harvest. If you're waiting for you know, someone to ask you, Hey, tell me about Jesus. Got news for you. Most of the time, they're not. They just aren't. They're not thinking about God. They're not thinking about Jesus. It's up to you to be wanting to share it with them. The sower in Jesus' story, if we go back to Matthew 13, we notice that he's not going, I wonder if it's time to sow. He's not checking the wind. He's not checking the rain. He's not going, and he's not saying, okay, well, when I sow seed, I'm going to sow in this area but not in another area. What do we see about the sower? We see that the sower, and if you were to picture a sower today, we're not talking about like a combine. We're not talking about like those little seed spreaders that you sometimes pull out. In the springtime, you know, when you're trying to do that Scott's four-step lawn process, right? 
go out there with a little push thing and it spreads all the fertilizer and the seed around. They didn't have that back then. So what is it? It's a guy or a girl. And with them, they have this bag that's hanging off the side and they've got a, a uh, strap that kind of goes over one shoulder. And in this bag is just seeds, hundreds and hundreds of seeds. And I wish I could tell you that, like, the sower's going around, and he's taking that one seed, and he's going, that looks like a good spot. And he just kind of reaches it down, and he puts it right there. All right, that's really good. And he takes another one, and he goes, oh, over here looks good. I'm going to take this little seed, and I put that down there, too. That's not what we see. What do we see in the, the sower parable of Jesus? He's taking fistfuls of seed, and he's throwing it everywhere. He doesn't care where it lands. He takes it and he's just, he's throwing it everywhere. He might even be getting it on people as they walk by. But he's, he's taking it and he's throwing it and it's reaching different kinds of soil. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's, he's throwing it out to everybody. He's not saying, that soil doesn't look good so I'm not going to throw it there. He says, I'm going to throw it everywhere. And it's up to the seed to take root. It's up to the, it to be planted and to grow from that seed. So he's not being selective about where he shares it. Instead, he's throwing it everywhere because the sower and the farmer both know the same thing. The more they sow, the greater chance that something's going to grow out of that, the greater chance of a harvest. The more you sow, the greater chance of a harvest. If you've ever had a project with your son and daughter when they were in elementary school and they brought home those seeds in that little cardboard paper cup, you know what it's like when they have like three or four seeds and none of them grow right? So if you're waiting for those two or three seeds to grow, sometimes, guess what? It doesn't happen. Just because it doesn't always grow doesn't mean you don't sow seed. The farmer knows that if I don't sow seed and a lot of it when the season comes, I'm not going to have a harvest, I'm not going to eat, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. So what do you say? It doesn't matter. We're just throwing it everywhere. It's going everywhere to everyone. The more you show, the more you share, the better chance you have of reaping. Sowers scatter seed. They understand their role is just to spread seed and leave it up to God to make it grow. We don't scatter seeds for plants, but we spread the word about Jesus everywhere we go. As Christians, we must understand our role is not to make the word grow in someone's heart. That's up to God, but to make sure the word gets to people's hearts. It's not up for us. Well, I shared the word with them, so be a Christian now, okay? You're going to be a Christian now? That doesn't work. Instead, let God grow that seed in their heart. Our job is just to make sure it gets there. If you didn't understand the parable, we are the sowers. The field we want to see grow is God's kingdom. The soil is the hearts of people who need to hear the gospel. And there's two parts to every kingdom harvest, one who shares the word and one who disciples. They both need each other. But if the farmer doesn't plant seed, then there is no harvest. And if there is no laborer sent into the field when the harvest is ripe, the harvest is lost. God is only asking for us to have the word and our willingness. Without any snow, excuse me, without any sowing, there is no growing. Not only do others grow, but you don't grow either. Listen, one of the most scary things in the world is to share your faith with somebody because you don't know how they're going to react. Are they going to think you're crazy? Are they going to want to not associate with you anymore? One of the scariest things in the world is to share your faith with somebody. But it's a faith-stretching thing. You will grow as you do it. 
God will increase your faith to do it. God is looking for our faith to be stretched. He's looking for sowers. God is searching for sowers. People who will not be stingy with the seed they've received, but to share it with wherever they are, whenever they are there. Not in an annoying way, but an understanding way. Our lives should reflect God's word, and our words should be thoughtful and impactful. Jesus said different kinds of people are going to react to this word differently. The reaction, hear me when I say this, does not diminish the power of God at work in that seed. Just because someone didn't accept it doesn't mean that the word is not powerful. To the ones who receive it and believe it, it is the power of God for change. But it will never happen if we keep storing up seed in our minds and hearts and never share it. How do we become sowers? Real simple, two things. Inspire and invite. Inspire means when you talk with somebody, be full of God's joy, be full of his word, encourage with counsel that is godly, that is biblical, that is uplifting. Inspire others to have hope. Inspire others to be better. If you want to change somebody, if you want to be a sower, inspire others. But the second part is to invite. Come and see is a phrase that you see often in the Gospels. Whenever someone was healed, they would say, come and see. Whenever God spoke into someone's life, he would say, come and see a man that has taught me, shown me everything I've ever done. The way that we bring people to Jesus is when we bring them, we say, come and see. Come to church on Sunday morning. Come to the Bible study that we're having at my house. Come to the connect group that we're having. Listen, we come to the prayer meeting that we're going to have. We just want you to come and see, and you can make your decision from there. In two weeks from now, we're going to have an outreach called A Journey to the Potter's House. This presentation, uh, from what I've seen and from what other pastors have told me, can be incredibly impactful. A moving presentation where it talks about God being able to heal some of the hurts in people's lives. I want to encourage you today to be someone who is one who sows seed. And what does that simply entail? That means you are taking a ticket to invite somebody and saying, hey, you know what? I would love for you to come. Can I challenge you with something else? Don't bring another Christian. Don't bring someone from someone else's church. They have a church. They're taken care of. They're going. They're worshiping God. They're serving God. How about you meet with somebody that you don't normally uh, talk about things of God with and just say to them, hey, you know, there's this pottery presentation uh, here. It's really good. It's going to be inspirational. You're going to be able to buy some of the pottery works when he's done. I think you'll get a lot out of it. I think you enjoy that sort of thing. So, so why don't you come with me and just do that? Can I tell you that this week I'm already meeting with two people that I'm going to have lunch and breakfast with? Guess what I'm going to talk about with them? They're not Christians. <laughs> because I've got to live what I'm telling you right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is looking for sowers. Not people that are stingy and selective with seed and go, well, who's worthy of it? Who should I share this with? Can I challenge you too, today, to the, the people that you think are going to be most receptive to the word sometimes aren't. Like, that person make a great Christian. It's not for you to decide. <laughs> it's not like picking a dodgeball team. Okay, God's like, oh, I want that one. He's tall. <laughs> he looks like he's a good runner. So I'm going to choose that person. God chooses 
who's going to accept the seed and who isn't. And there's going to be times where you've shared it and you say, I thought for sure that they were going to get it. I thought for sure that they were going to follow God and serve him. It's like God didn't pick him for the team. God didn't pick her for the team. Can you be okay with who God picks and not be disappointed? God wants everyone to be saved, including the cool people and the not-so-cool people. I thank God I'm not one of the not-so-cool people. I thank God that I'm not one of those ones that really, like, stood out among the crowd. I was literally picked last in dodgeball all the time. So that metaphor speaks to me in a very, very solid way. But I want to encourage you in that. It's like, listen, just meet with people that don't know the Lord and invite them. In two weeks, we're going to have this time together and there'll be an opportunity for them to receive some real healing in their life. And that God might even speak to them. They might even come to know the Lord. Again, our job is just to, to uh, sow seed, to share the word, and let God bring about the growth in someone's life. Can you do that with me? Before you leave uh, the church today, I encourage you to stop by the table, grab these, and then do us a favor. Write down that list, like how many you're inviting so that we know how many to prepare for. Not everyone might come, but we need to set up rooms to prepare for those who are coming, and we would love for that to be the case with you. And all God needs from us is his word and our willingness. And if both are alive in us, God can use it. That's where you're at. Can you say, God, I will do it? You say that with me, God, I'll do it because you asked me to do it. Then let's pray together and let's God, ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we just pray today that you would speak to us. Lord, help us to recognize that we've been the recipients of your word and it's changed our life forever. God, everyone deserves the opportunity to hear that and receive that for themselves. So show us who to invite. Show us who to bring. And Lord, we just pray that you begin to prepare the soil of people's hearts to receive your word and may it bring about life. And Lord, we do pray for a harvest, a harvest for Living Hope Church that people would come to know you, not so that this church can be big, but that more people would know who you are and their lives would be forever changed by your goodness. So Lord, do what only you can do and use us. You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. We are willing. We say, yes, Lord, use us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.